I have just a few thoughts I want to share with you tonight from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you know anything about my ministry, you know that I love the books of Timothy and Titus. They were the first books that Brother Kilgore directed me to as a young minister hungry for more of God in my life. And he told me, if you don't read anything else, read those three chapters, or those three books, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Paul writing to a young preacher, he said, if you can get that down, you can get that in your heart, then there's no limit to what God can do in your life. And for the last 30 plus years, I've been trying to do that. And I've found so many wonderful things I hope that you will open your heart to one of them tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writing to this young man, said in verse number 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, speaking about his imprisonment. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I am not embarrassed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Everybody say, I am persuaded. I am Persuaded. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God bless you. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of God. You may be seated. Praise God. If you give me your attention for just a few moments, I want to share with you what I believe is the secret to every great life and it is the secret to our victory in life on a continual basis. I have been stirred, I, <clears throat> as many perhaps of you have over the course of the last few years, have, we have seen a lot of things change in the spiritual environment of many churches and even in the lives of people. We look around and it is, uh, it is, it seems a difficult day for some people to live for God. Though difficult days are not an oddity, it is not a strange thing for God's people to go through trying times. Difficult circumstances have surrounded the church from its beginning. It was born in a fire of the Holy Ghost, but it was also born in the fire of persecution. The early church had almost turned inward until God sent persecution and in that disbursement, the gospel was taken to the world. And if we're not careful, we can develop the same mentality that the disciples did. This is great, it's ours. 
and we enjoy it when God has a bigger picture in mind than just our little world. And so it's important to us to remember that it has never been easy to live for God. It has never been uh, a, a thing without effort. It's never been a journey without some perseverance. If you're having a challenge tonight in trying to live for God, don't think that's strange. That is common to every person that's ever really tried to live for God. But I believe that there are keys. I, I believe there are certain things that are common in every great life. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, the secret of every great life. And it really isn't a secret as much as a key. If you can ever get what I want to say to you tonight down in your mind, it makes living for God so much easier and it makes dealing with all that life brings to you so much more bearable and so much easier to manage. There is a key to the overcoming life and Someone perhaps has asked the question, what is the secret to success in living for God? And it's not as complicated as many would like to think. As a matter of fact, it is so simple that many people stumble over it trying to find something of a greater depth than what the Word declares is true. Paul, his life is accented by a certain boldness. There was a certain confidence in Paul and in the language of Paul that when you read his writings, it is refreshing and it is challenging at the same time. Where did he get the boldness from? And where did that confidence that he lived in come from? What made Paul so effective in living for God and what made his life so powerful? Why is Paul yet such an influential figure in the spiritual realm? And what was the secret of his endurance? And what was it about Paul that made him such a stalwart man of God? Somebody might say, well, it was probably his personality. It was perhaps his disposition. You know, some people are just... They're just made to serve God. They're just made to live for God. They just have it in their, their makeup and their constitution to do those things. But for me, it's different. I, I struggle on a daily basis and I battle things. But when I look around at others, I, I, I seem to see things are a lot easier for them. But I want to tell you tonight, it was not Paul's disposition that made him so effective. And it was not his constitution as a man or his learning as an individual that made him what he was. He could live through all that he lived through because of what he explains to us in verse 12 of the second chapter of Timothy. Here was the greatness of Paul's conviction and here 
was the greatness of his life. No matter what the setbacks, no matter what the rejection, no matter how people treated him, what made Paul endure was this simple knowledge. And here in our text is an answer. When it is discovered and embraced, it can make life so much simpler and it can make living for God so much easier. He was a man, the Bible said, who was persuaded. Everybody say that word one more time with me, persuaded. He was persuaded. I read this verse again, and when I read it, that word leaped out at me. I am persuaded, and God began to talk to me about the real secret to his life was in that persuasion because that persuasion is what set in motion everything else about his life. It was that conviction that came to him. It was that confidence that came out of his life. And it was that life that was satisfied whether he was in a prison or whether he was out walking the streets free. Paul was not bound by chains and he was not bound by bars and fetters. But he was a man who was liberated by the power of God's spirit in his life. And it began, it had its roots in this one word. He said, I am persuaded. He was convinced there were some things in his life that had been settled. And here is the reckoning of all great lives that you have to first settle some things in your life. If your life is going to mean anything, you have got to settle some issues from the get-go. The secret begins with settling. Paul sorted through all of the issues of life and many things in life and he found what really mattered and he found what really counted. He weighed it all in a proper scale and when he stepped back, it was settled. This is what he was going to do. He was not confused any longer. He was not in doubt as to how he was to conduct his life. And so his life began in this settling of issues. You see, I, I've been struggling with some things lately I, that, that, that have really bothered me. I, I have been struggling with the idea that some people have, have, have spoken to me that they don't uh, feel convicted about certain things anymore. And I've looked at that and I thought, God, what's wrong with our conviction? Why? Are our convictions falling? Why are we giving up our convictions? And God brought me back to this passage. And he said, I'm going to tell you why convictions are falling. It's because somebody never settled something in their heart about who I am and who they are in relationship to who I am. And until you settle some things in your life, your convictions will always be up for question. And so the Lord began to talk to me. What was the secret of Paul? Number one, he settled some things in his life. First of all, he settled who he would serve. He did not settle what he would believe, but he settled who he would believe. That's what's wrong with a lot of Pentecostal people. 
We know a lot about what we believe, but we don't know what we need to know about who we believe. And the reason convictions leave us and we walk away from them is because we did not start from the right premise. For you first settle who you believe and once you settle who you believe, then it will determine what you believe. Amen. But if all you do is try to figure out what you believe, you're always going to wrestle with that. And you're always going to have trouble with it. But if you'll just go back to the beginning and let's start where Paul started. He did not say, I am persuaded of what I believe. He said, I am persuaded in whom I believe. I am persuaded in somebody. And that somebody has helped me settle what I believe. And so if we don't first go back to the root and decide who we're going to believe, we will never know what we are supposed to believe. And our what will always be up for question and inspection. So he settled who he would believe. And he fell in love with that who. When you fall in love with him, what he asks you to do is not a burden, it's a blessing. When you fall in love with him and who he is, whatever he requires of you is not too heavy a burden. And when you settle who you believe, then you can begin to settle what you believe. Amen. And when you settle what you believe, then you will settle how you will live. Because what you believe is going to affect how you live. And how you live will affect where you live. But it all begins with him. And the reason a lot of people are walking away from convictions today and they're confused is because they've never settled who they believe. Amen. Do you believe a church? Do you believe a creed? Do you believe a particular doctrine? No, let's start with him. If you'll just get your focus on him and let him be the root and the source of your belief and you let him be the one that directs your path, then all of these other things will begin to make sense. But if you don't start with him, you're going to always be confused. Well, is this necessary or is this not necessary? Do I have to do this or do I not do that? I'm here to tell you those things take care of themselves when you settle who you believe. Amen. Everybody say it with me. I want to settle who. I want to settle who I believe. Amen. And when Paul settled that, he didn't have a hard time with the things God required of him. He didn't have a battle every day he got up about whether he was going to live this or not. It was settled. Because when you settle who you believe, then settling who you believe will settle what you believe. And what you believe will settle where you live. And where you live will just settle how you live. Simple as that. No genius have to figure that one out. All you've got to do is just fall in love with him. And when you fall in love with him, everything else makes sense. And everything else finds its place. And when you fall in love with him, there is nothing that he can ask of you that you would not be willing to do. 
Everybody say it starts with him. Amen. When you settle that, it removes the confusion from your life. When we settle things in life, we settle who we will believe, then we can set in order many of the other things of our life. But I'm afraid that a lot of people have gotten it mixed up and they've tried to settle what they believe before they've settled who they believe. And that's the reason what they believe is up for auction today. Amen. We need to go back to the root, and the root is him. Amen. I need to embrace him. When I embrace him and I make him the Lord of my life, then he is the Lord of all of life, and he rules. He reigns. He calls the shots. Amen. Remember reading the story about a woman who uh, was a great reader and loved various kinds of books and, and somebody recommended to her one day a particular book. She hurried to the bookstore and purchased it and she got down beside the bed in her easy chair where she liked to read at night and so anxious to get into this book because she had heard so much about it and when she started, it wasn't long until she had lost interest. And she flipped through the pages trying to kind of pick her curiosity, but nothing that she did could get her inspired. She didn't know where they had found the inspiration, but she certainly could not find any. So she folded the book and she put it by the nightstand and it stayed there for weeks and weeks and weeks. And by chance, somewhere down the road, she ran into this young man who loved books like she did. As a matter of fact, he not only loved books, he was a writer of books. And in their conversation, she soon found a common thread and they began to fall in love with one another. And then she found out that he was the author of that book that was on her nightstand. And you know the rest of the story. She goes home and she devours it because she had fallen in love with the author. I'm going to tell you, folks, that's where it really begins. I, I, I was raised in this, and so there's a lot of things about church that you just kind of take on as part of your life. But I can take you to a place. There's no building there, but I can take you to the place on that empty lot in Wichita Falls where I settled some things in my life. It wasn't an easy thing at the moment, but it settled a lot of other issues down the road. And so all of these years that I've tried to serve God, it hasn't been without its ups and downs, but when you settle the who, all of that other stuff, when you fall in love with the author and the finisher of your faith, it doesn't matter what he asks you to do. You're not trying to bargain with God. You're not trying to say, well, God, do I have to? Is that necessary? You go back to the book and you say, God, if that's what you want, that's what I want to do. Amen. Praise God. Say settle it. Praise God. You need to settle who it is that you believe. Amen. When you settle things in your life, when you settle who you're going to believe, you're going to not only bring into your life the one who can make the difference in your life, but 
it's also going to bring with it some convictions. It's going to bring some things that are settled. And your convictions will not be abandoned then because they're rooted in the right place. And once you've settled things and those convictions come, then your convictions will lead to commitment. They will lead you to the place that the Apostle Paul was when he said, I have deposited some things with him. He said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. Paul came to the bank of heaven and said, I'm willing to sell out to you. I'm willing to give you my all because of the conviction that I have in my heart. And that conviction comes out of a relationship that I have developed with you. And that relationship is the root of my spiritual life. And he said, now there are commitments that come. He deposited his life, his keeping, his future, his hope, his soul. All of that was put in the hands of God. And his commitment produced confidence. Amen. His commitment produced confidence. This commitment brought a certain air of confidence about his life. And so tonight I remind you that if you lack confidence, maybe you need to go back past your convictions to your relationship and work on your relationship with God because if you'll get the relationship right, all of those other things will find their proper place. Amen. You know what I've learned in pastoring for the last 20 years? You can't make enough rules to keep people straight. And you can't beat on those rules enough. I could trumpet those rules every day and all they would be would be legislation and legalism. But when you fall in love with him, amen, when you fall in love with him, you don't mind. It's not an issue. It's, it's not a legalistic thing. That's... The reason the world is so confused about all of this today and they call our lifestyle legalism is because they're more, they're more in tune with what they believe than who they believe. Because if they ever really fell in love with him, they would find out that we're not, we're not off base, folks. Amen. We're not off base. When you have confidence in God, then you're satisfied. Amen. You're not looking to go somewhere else. You're not looking for anything else. You're not experimenting. You're not trying to find if there's anything better. It's settled. And when you settle it, it brings conviction. And when conviction comes, it brings confidence. And when confidence comes, it brings a satisfied feeling. Amen. Praise God. When you have confidence and you are satisfied, you know that you have found the greatest joy of life. And Paul found it. So much so that even in a prison, he could say, it's going to be all right. Amen. So much so that even with chains on him, he could say, God's still in control. And it was the mindset that governed all he did and how he lived. 
And it all started with who he believed in me. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to get in this book and believe him. Amen. Praise God. And if you'll get in this book and fall in love with him, there'll never be one thing in your life that you're going to ask, do I have to? You're going to say, thank you, God, that I get to honor you with my life in this way. Amen. Praise God. Let me read it to you again. Would you do that? Give me that, that privilege. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I, I am in no wise embarrassed by the life that I live. For I know, everybody say I know, whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You see, the secret of every great life begins in its rooting. And if it's rooted in him, amen, it makes all the difference in the world. Praise God. In a world that's throwing convictions away by the dozen, by the carloads, convictions are going by the highway. I'm wondering, God, were those convictions no good? Were we wrong all these years? Were we, mis, were, were we misinformed? Did somebody tell us the wrong thing? God said, no, no, no. That's... Not the problem. The problem is too few people are really in love with me. There's a lot of people in love with Pentecost or they're in love with a church or they're in love with a denomination but they're not in love with me. And so when you fall in love with anything but him, it becomes legalism. But when you fall in love with him, it becomes liberty. Amen. I don't have to. I get to. I get to honor God in my life in this way. God has given me the privilege of showing the world how great he is through my life. What a privilege. What an honor to be given such an opportunity. Amen. Hallelujah. So if that is my honor, I want to make sure that they see the best Jesus that they can see. Amen. I want them to see the purest Jesus and the cleanest Jesus and the godliest Jesus and the most wholesome Jesus that they can see. I don't want them to be confused between my martini and whatever else I might be indulging in. Amen. I don't want them looking at me and, 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 and what I am as an individual and saying, is that God? I want them to see something in my life. Not, a, not just an outward appearance. I want them to see the spirit behind all of that. That's what's wrong with us. I say us. A lot of, 
a, a lot of us is that we've tried to project an image to people and that image is not of him, it's of some rule that we've made ourselves obey all these years and we never understood why. I'm telling you, get past the rule and go back to the ruler. And when you get to the ruler, you don't mind the rules and you don't mind the requirements if you go back to the ruler. Let's stand together. Praise God.